You've reached the Entertainment Hotline, a chatter podcast. Listen as celebs dial in to chat with Anita Annabelle, chatter.com.au and Media Week's Head of Entertainment. You've reached the Entertainment Hotline, a chatter podcast. Listen as celebs dial in to chat with Anita Annabelle, chatter.com.au and Media Week's Head of Entertainment. Hi, it's Heather Mitchell here from Jones Family Christmas. You're a real baker. My favourites are doing things like beetroot chocolate cakes and I like putting vegetables or fruit in cakes. I totally agree. I totally agree. It's so beautiful. I actually made an orange almond cake last night. We ate it all last night and um, it was, um, you know, that when you boil the oranges up and I used the rinds in everything, just take the seeds out and puree it all. Oh, my gosh. Next time I want some. I want to come meet you in person. you got to bring me your baking. Well, I'm so glad you're chatting to me because I'm I'm so thrilled to be chatting to you. Oh, um, I love doing gold diggers. I just want to firstly point out. <laughs> well, that's good because I think I offended some people. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't surprise me, but not because of just the character. But, I mean, it was brilliant. I loved it. It was great. We're here to talk about Joan's Family Christmas, which, by the way, I watched this morning. I loved oh. it. Yeah. It was so good. Cut it fine to the wire, but I absolutely adored it. So let's talk about Joan's Family Christmas. Can you give us the elevator pitch for it? An elevator pitch? Yeah. Oh, this is off the top of my head then. Um, Oh, an elevator pitch. In one sentence? I just need one sentence. Um, One and a half is fine. um, Oh, gosh. Okay. I want to be clever here. I'm trying to think. I don't want to start off with a family. Um, Well, it is a family. This is a time of unravelling, um, oh, God, you're making it terribly hard. A family come together. A family come together. Oh, no, there's so many elements. Family come together to celebrate. Uh, a family come together in celebration only to find that internal and external, um, ex- effect, not factors, conditions, um, inflame. Oh, I don't want to say inflame because that's probably incite, no, um, <laughs> internal, external um, pressures um, reveal there's more in the wrapping than a gift, that the gifts are not what you expect them to be. How about that? That is perfect. Something like that. That was that was amazing. You couldn't have, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> but I mean, let's talk about Heather, which is I mean, you are Heather, but your character is Heather, which I love. Um, but you're the matriarch of the family, so she's quite an interesting character. She's quite quirky and and kooky and all of the things, but she just has family at her heart. Can you give me a little bit of insight into her psyche? Well, I. Because Tegan wrote this and uh, Tegan Higginbotham, I tried to think um, we didn't have much time to talk to Tegan about where, what her, you know, influences and interests were. But Heather on the page is a woman whose family comes first. It just comes first. And not only, but, you know, it's her husband means an enormous amount to her. And that I think that the division of their roles, um, being country people working a farm, is possibly can be viewed as a more uh, conservative traditional roles and yet at the core of that is so much love that there's an enormous amount of love and respect of each other and they've had a long marriage and they've brought up these three children and I think her pride in her children is so enormous but also her as you 
similarly with pride of your children, having had children, I have children myself, you have enormous pride and you also have enormous fear. Fear of whether they're happy, whether they're well, whether they're doing the right thing. So I think Heather is a mixture of great um, pride towards her family and also great concern. So, and I think they come in equal quantities almost sometimes. And so I think that the one thing she wants is for everyone to be happy. And we all know that that's impossible thing to request everyone to be. And sometimes the expectation of a parent, having that as their expectation on their family is too much for a family to, to um, respond to, to. A lot of pressure. Yeah. On everybody. On everyone. So I think they're not a family who shout and scream at each other necessarily. They're a family at the basis. There's an enormous amount of love and respect for each other. But Christmas is the time when I'm not really answering your question. I'm about I'm getting on to Christmas now, but I think I'm really keep going. I can just listen to you all day. <laughs> but the reason she's insisted they all come for Christmas is she has a couple of reasons. One which I won't give away, which is sort of revealed at the end. Um, but her main reason is to ensure make sure that her children are happy and that they're also there to make their father happy. And so she, I think, believes them being together will solve everyone's problems, just being together. But of course, you bring a family together and everyone brings their their things with them. And not only their current pressures and lives and thoughts, but they also bring all the historical ones, the ones that they would grow up with, the ones that by seeing each other, um, come to the front. So anyone's Christmas, whether it's a gentle, calm, sweet one, whether it's a, you know, a very rambunctious and um, difficult and fraught Christmas, um, bringing a family together will have consequences, basically. It does. It's so relatable, isn't it? I mean, I think that's the thing that is just so beautiful about this movie and there's so much complexity to it, but it is the most relatable thing because I think everybody feels that when they go home for Christmas. Christmas is a lot of pressure for a lot of families. Yeah, and I think also a lot of families are are clearly uh, more and more these days are running between different families. Yes. That's not something that's explored in this film, but it is – um, that thing of where do you belong? Where should you be? So that's another pressure on people. But within this story, um, I think in the midst of them trying to um, to be true to themselves as well as fulfilling other people's expectations, and then being surprised by unknown guests, and you know, there's always this, this the X factor that's brought into the family, which can be like inflame all sorts of things and create excitement. There's also the external dangers. Uh, so there's the internal pressures and then the external, and therefore that's why the, I think the fire, which I think everyone who worked on the project, the producers, the writer, director, was very, very conscious of making sure that the fire is not, if the, if the fire isn't introduced into the film to really explore in depth about the fires in Australia at Christmas time, which are horrendous and devastating, um, because it can't do that it would become a very serious drama. It's more using, I think, no one else has said this, but I think using the fire is really a um, a way of talking about like an external character coming in to show that people need each other. So the fire is an external threat, which helps all the characters understand that when there's great threat to your well-being, your happiness, your life, or those you love, 
we need to pull together and help each other as a community and as a family. And um, and I think that's what the fire does in this story, is remind us. And I hope, because I haven't seen the film, but I hope that it um, that no one will feel affronted or you know by that, or that they'll understand um, that it's done with love, with great love and care, to ensure that it's um, that if we're saying we know there are enormous threats in Australia, climactic and um, especially in summer, that can happen to people and particularly at times when there's supposedly should be great joy and celebration and gratitude and times, you know, for, for religious people to feel a great sense of, you know, thanksgiving and rebirth and all those things, that um, it's a, it can be a time of great devastation for people. Mm. And, um, and that really the message the film's saying is we, we as Australians come together and we build like small little microcosms in hall, in town halls and in community centres and in in parks, and we come together and we help each other and we try and make each other laugh, and then um, we you know we try and look after each other. Mm. I think it really humanises the experience these people go through <clears throat> because you kind of forget when you're watching the news when there actually is a bushfire. You you think of this massive ravishing flame, but you forget the people that are actually living through it. And I think that this this film, although light in a lot of ways, it really kind of brings that to the forefront. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that, um, oh, look, I think any really good films, any good film, there's if you've got good interior and internal conflicts that the characters have and you've got external ones, then at least you've got a good story going, you know. So I think that. If you can achieve that and if you can achieve interesting characters and put them under certain pressures and see how they cope with them, then uh, that can lead to comedy and can lead to drama. So, Absolutely. And I think there are so many other complex themes that this film explores. It actually quite surprised me because I thought this was going to be very all light, 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 but there's really some shade in there. But also just focusing on, I guess, racism, on the LGBTQIA community. It's actually, it's really got it all jam-packed in there, but in such a nuanced way. Oh, that's good. And also suicide, which... um is far too prevalent and um, particularly often among men. And I think that's a really beautiful, I think Tegan's done that really well by introducing it without it ever being too heavy-handed and to have that wonderful character that Genevieve Morris plays, the um, the wife of the friend. I don't want to give too much away, but, too much anything, <laughs> but, but you know, that, that um, how we all deal with grief, that... Some people deal with grief by receding and some people deal with it by shutting down. And when you've got a wife who wants everyone to be happy, what are you, what are you supposed to do with your grief? And if you're someone who's good at talking about it, then, um, you know, you bring your family around you. So I think that's really the insti- instigation for Heather. Not only does she want her kids around, but she wants them around for the father. I think she needs, he needs the love of the family. These kind of roles, is this why you, I know there's always this, like everyone says, why are you drawn to these characters or why do you go for these, why do you accept these offers of these jobs? But it sounds like there's just so much in here that, of course, that's why you would want to do this. Look, 
I'm not picking and choosing things. Don't get me wrong. I'm not an actor who gets, you know, set 30 scripts and I go, mm, which one will I do? <laughs> it's not like that. That surprises me. That does shock me. It's not like that. Um, occasionally there'll be dates that clash and so I have to drop out, oh, I can't do something. But a lot of the time you're looking at something going, I'll say yes. <laughs> <laughs> that and is my favourite response. I love it. That's great. I generally... I generally say yes to things if they're not clashing or if there's not a problem because I, in probably the last 30 years, I haven't worked on anything that I haven't gained an enormous amount from. Uh, either the people I've worked with or the script or the character or something. I find I love working. It's my happy place. It's where I love to be. So I don't understand unless something's absolute rubbish. And I just think I don't, or I wouldn't agree with it politically, or I think it's um, it's saying something that I wouldn't agree with, like if it was, you know, racially or gender or anything. It's criticised. Obviously, wouldn't do it. But if it's something with good people involved, I will jump on it because it's about the people that I work with. You can, and you get good people. You can turn something that doesn't seem that interesting into something beautiful and you can also ruin something that's beautiful <laughs> by by not giving it the time or the care or the the money that it needs. So I think, yeah, I generally at this time of my life just go, yes. I, <laughs> that's not what I expected you to say. I thought you were going to say, yes, this is exactly why, but you know, I completely understand. Oh, I, I know <laughs> why I'm saying yes. It's not like I just go, yes, yes, yes. I know why I'm saying yes. And, um, of course, of course. Like, you know, recent, this year I was offered to do luxury escapes. I've never been asked to do something like that. And I would never have done something like that. And a good, my dear, dear friend was, was going through chemo and, she, I got the phone call and she looked at me and I said, would you luxury escape? She said, yes, yes, because she was very ill. And she went, why would you say no to that? Oh, that's and so I thought, I thought always we always make decisions based on our own perspective and sometimes it's good to put yourself in another person's perspective and go, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And I had the time of my life. It was wonderful. Do you know what, though? Like, I feel like you should have been doing, I mean, you're a phenomenal actor. Please do not get me wrong, but, like, your personality is just so warm and beautiful. Like, it it feels like it should be on TV as well, that you are going on more things like luxury escapes. Oh, no, it's not me. I mean, I had a great time, don't get me wrong. I don't think I could ever do one of those shows where you have to, you know, stand there and talk about the luxury <laughs> And wear beautiful dresses every day and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> what? No, no, I get it. I get it. Now, before, I know you're running so late today, so I don't want to keep you too long, even though I could, I just want to, I just, just want to sit here and listen to you. But I want to talk about you. No. <laughs> another time. Definitely, definitely 100% another time. But do you have any Christmas traditions that you'd like to share with me that you do with your gorgeous sons and your family? Look, we do, we're not particularly tradition-oriented people. So the only tradition really we have is I I made them when they were very small. I used to do felt like make things out of felt before felting became felting. Like, you know, when so I made them each their Christmas stockings with their names on it and pictures on it and everything. So the only real tradition is putting those Christmas stockings out um, from when they were little and they look forward to them being full. Um, we always <laughs> make them. We'd never buy, we don't buy Christmas trees and we don't, chop them down we don't 
get real ones. We always make a Christmas tree. Last year's was made out of a ladder I found, a little step ladder I found on the street, and we created a Christmas tree out of that. I've made one out of coat hangers. We've made Christmas trees out of, you know, branches we find on the road and things. So we, that's the other thing is we always make a Christmas tree um, of some description. And um, apart from that, you know, we just like enjoy being together you know, and have people come over and, um, uh, you know, we're not religious and we're not, um, so we, you know, we just spend time together, play cards, you know. Oh, play, have a party. We do play, we do play Evil Santa. Oh, what, we, what's we, that? Oh, Evil Santa is where you, everyone buys a gift, wraps it as nicely as they can so that it looks tempting. Like you can put it inside a big box, a tiny present or a, and we've ruled that you can't spend more than $10 or it has to be from an op shop or it has to be something you've re-gifted or, you know, you cannot, it's not an expensive gift. And you wrap it and then the more people the better and you put them in the middle and then everyone picks a number out of a hat. Number one goes first, number 30 goes last, number one chooses a present, opens it, and they go, oh, I've always wanted a fridge magnet. And then number two can either open a – they then open a present and number two says, mm, I'd rather have the magnet. <laughs> so number 30 by the end gets the choice of all the presents so they can start stealing. So it's all about stealing from each other. <laughs> and it's really fun. And um, some people get upset, which is kind of good. <laughs> and then afterwards you're allowed to go into corners and say, hey, do you want to swap that for that? <laughs> but one Christmas a friend did get, I'd put in a beautiful old secondhand Beautiful ceramic 1930s toast holder. You know those old toast holders that I've watched. Well, it was the favourite, and it passed hands many times. And eventually, the person who ended up with it um, or stole it, she stole it. She was the last person to get it. The person who'd originally wanted it was so upset because they wanted it so badly. So this person went overseas. They went after Christmas traveling, and they took photos of it in front of the Eiffel Tower. They took pictures of it having dinner in a fabulous restaurant. They took pictures of it on a pillow in a really wonderful hotel on the beach in Hawaii. And um, it became this, you know, toast rack that went around the world. And then when they got back, they gave it to the person. So oh, I love the spirit of Christmas. This great little story when you play Evil Santa. Oh. And then sometimes you put the put your present back the following year and it gets circulated again. I'm coming for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you now. What are you doing? But, uh, I'm, I'm Spanish, so we do Christmas Eve on, um, wow. and then I go to my dad's on Christmas Day. So Spanish Christmas Eve, that sounds yeah, cool. it's amazing, it's amazing. What traditions have, are involved in that? So we have um, Star and we have a niece, which is like a, it's a, you know, the, the alcohol. Um, we have Turon, which is a nougat. Uh, we do, we, everyone just brings a copious amounts of food and you do presents and family photos and, and you do in Spain, they open their presents at midnight, but we don't do that because we're all, you know, but it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit, but it's, all, <laughs> but it's, it's just absolutely beautiful. Like Christmas has always been my favorite time of year. One thing that I always look forward to. That yeah. is beautiful. Oh, I want to keep chatting. You're so lovely. Lovely, lovely talking to you, darling. How are you, Max? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah. Yeah. I love the orange. Pop of color. Pop of yeah. color. 
pop of color, pop of color, pop of color. I'm excited for Joan's family Christmas to come out. I am so pumped. I have been so excited for the past couple of months. I've been seeing little bits and pieces, but I haven't seen the full film yet. So I'm dying to see it. I've yeah. heard this that you all haven't seen it yet. That is crazy to me. I know, but it's like good. I like kind of like that it's going to be like a nice surprise. Well, you'll be happy to know I have seen it and I loved it. Oh, yeah. Such a complex story, light and shade, lots of things going on. But let's talk about Alex because this character is <laughs> goes through quite a funny time and we have seen it in the trailers what happens. So can you just give me a little bit of cliff notes about the character of Alex? Yeah, so Alex is a young girl living in kind of regional Victoria and uh, she's just had a pretty traumatic breakup with her ex-girlfriend. So she's come to Christmas very heartbroken and is being quite dramatic, uh, (laughs) as I think a lot of us can relate to when you've had a break up near Christmas. It's pretty horrible. Terrible timing. Terrible Terrible timing. Terrible timing. But uh, when she gets to her mum's house for Christmas, her brother brings home his new girlfriend who happens to be Alex's ex-girlfriend. And I think you can see how that's going to play out. (laughs) (laughs) Not such a wild concept because I'm sure, I wonder if that's actually happened. I'm sure it's happened IRL. It it must have happened to someone and that poor person because even having to act that was horrible. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm assuming that's never happened to you. So that's that's a good start. That's a great start. (laughs) I mean, sharing is caring, but, you know. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I mean, not but, that way. Maybe not uh, that way. No. <laughs> but I guess it's such a, it's a bit of a, um, an interesting journey that Alex does go on in this mm. movie. Um, but firstly, before we kind of go a little bit more into the relationship side of things, there is a bit of a journey with your parents as well, because I think one of the things that I got from it was that you're kind of, the character is really overlooked. Mm. Yeah, that was something we discussed on set a lot of going, you know, this Alex has got such passion and drive and is so funny, but she's often underestimated or seen as emotional. And I think there's such a beautiful journey within the film of seeing how she gains respect from her family and how she kind of shows up through this really terrifying time. And yeah, it's just, it was such an interesting family dynamic that does happen a lot where she's kind of the black sheep of the family. And yeah, I think if you feel like that in your own family, you're going to relate to her a lot. There was definitely some moments that I was like, oh, yeah, heard that before. You know, I mean, I'm not taking over, wanting to take over, you know, (laughs) a family business or anything, but like you kind of, I think everyone is always struggling to find their place in their family. Yeah, and be heard within the family dynamic. And I think all of them are struggling with their own internal battles and no one's really listening to each other until they're kind of thrust into a situation where they have to and Mm. they have to trust each other. Yeah. 
I mean, at its core, this movie really is about family and about family dynamics and how they all come together. I mean, through a bushfire. I mean, that is for starters, not there's a lot of people in the country who have been through that, but I necessarily have not. Have you ever had any experience with like a big crisis like that? Not not in a in an immediate sense, mm. but definitely I think we've all felt the impacts of, you know, traumatic events like that. And this is based on the writer's kind of own experience with it. So it does come from a really true place. Mm. It felt it felt really true. It felt really yeah. true. And I mean the dynamics in the family is so wonderful. The cast is so, so great. You kind of I love watching movies like this because you kind of go, oh my God, it really does feel like they're family. Yeah. It felt like that on set. We really became our characters and had the dynamics of our family within the actors. So beautiful. And we would play kind of, there were cards on Christmas card games on set and we would play them in our breaks. And so we were all bonding and like Heather Mitchell is. Stop it. Don't. I can't. Oh, my queen. (laughs) But she is just such a beautiful force and she really took us all under her wing and she was Mama Bear on set. So we were very safe in her presence. I had the absolute fortune of chatting to her yesterday and I did not want to get off the phone. She's heaven, (laughs) heaven on earth. I think I described her today as an iconic goddess, which... (laughs) So true, so true. Like, she's... Such an incredible actor and performer, but then just the most amazing human as well. Oh, totally. Do you learn? I mean, how? I'm so sorry. I've completely forgotten how old you are. How old are you? I just turned 27, actually. Oh, my gosh. You look so much younger. I know. You're 27. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And 27. I mean, but you would still learn a lot from someone like Heather Mitchell, who um, is. Is, has been around the traps for so, so long. Yeah, yeah you definitely, I, I was soaking up everything I could on set with her and watching how she worked and watching how all the other actors worked. And, you know, I'm, I'm not super young anymore, but I'm still early in my career. And I think being able to work with icons like that is just such a privilege because, you just see how they treat people on set too and that's why they're legends because they're just professional from the moment they walk on set and it's mm. so much fun. Oh, I'm so happy for you. That's so yeah. – because, you know, work environments are very, very important. Yeah. But I also want to talk to you about the complex themes that are – in this movie. So there's a lot of different ones. Obviously we have suicide, we have the bushfires, but there is one about sexuality, which I think is a hugely important storyline. How do you think that the film dealt with that? And was that something that you kind of had input on? When I read the script for the first time, I was super excited because I haven't really seen an Australian kind of Christmassy or holiday film that includes queerness in the way this does and having a queer person be one of the leads and have a storyline centered around that as the main romance 
I thought that was really cool and I was so excited. And when I got in the room and we started chatting about it and what what the stakes were for this relationship within the film in the real world and how I think a lot of people, a lot of young queer people, especially in the country, are going to watch this and hopefully feel represented in kind of their pain and in their silence and uh and also it's a bit exciting and cute and you'll you'll have to see how it ends but i think it gives a lot of hope to young queer people who haven't been represented in this way yet that is so important the representation i mean how important is it for you to see representation on our screens as an overarching australian media because i know we're a little bit behind the ball i feel I think we're definitely getting there in terms of representation. I think we've still got a long way to go, but it's moments like these that I get super excited that I get to be a young queer person playing a young queer person that young queer people are going to see. And uh, yeah, and it's just a celebration. And I love that. And I love having diverse stories around queer identities starting to get represented. It is very, very exciting. I think there are so many people in this world, you know, um, especially, I guess, my generation, your generation, I'm only in the generation above you, I'm pretty sure. Or we could be in the same generation. I don't actually know. Anyway. <laughs> I'm like cusp Gen Z. I think you are. So yeah, are. that's what I yeah. thought. So I am Gen Z. Say, am I Gen Z? <laughs> Millennial? Is that say Millennial? I think. Well, I'm cusp. I'm cusp millennial. Oh, Gen you definitely are. You're a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. makes sense. But, yeah. it, but, but I guess as a as a unity, as our generations are, we are so accepting, and to us, it is so normalized to have everybody be out and proud like and, and be quite um outspoken in terms of accepting that and so i completely get why this is so important and it is wonderful to see i do have a question and feel free not to answer this so please like tell me if you don't want to this film doesn't do this but what do you feel when you see other films tokenize these kind of um situations is that ever something that you've seen and gone how can we do this differently i think the more we have people of diverse backgrounds playing the roles that are written for diverse backgrounds i think we're going to keep growing and so when i see films cast correctly or cast with people who've had those experiences or that is their life story i think it adds more depth depth and makes it not tokenistic anymore it, mm. it starts pushing people's perceptions of these identities who may not be familiar with them and i think that's that's where i'm seeing the trend start to go in casting and in movies and tv and that's super super exciting to me i can see by your gorgeous smile this makes this genuinely makes you so happy yeah it does because when i meet young queer people who have looked up to me or come and see me in shows or have watched the things i'm in and how it's helped them discover their own identity or 
be brave to tell their family, you know, you know it has an impact past just acting in a film or acting on stage. That's interesting that you should say that. Do you have a, you have a lot of people coming up to you or probably Instagram DMing you, I would assume, but what are they telling you? What are they asking you? I mean, just a lot of young people who have seen me in shows where I've played queer people and then they've been moved by because they've been around 14, 15 and they go, oh, this is opened up something in me and they either tell me that at stage door or they dm me or whatever but i think there is such a beautiful community online too that embraces queer artists and up-and-coming artists and yeah it's, it's just a beautiful space that i've had the privilege of meeting a lot of these people and um yeah being in conversation with these people it must feel very strange to know that you you have this platform and people are looking up to you. Is that something you ever thought would happen? Uh, I mean, I'm still, I feel like it's on a very small scale still, but I, the people I am in, you know, on online with and who follow me, I, I feel a sense of community with them and they've been so supportive and championed me through all the projects I've done and that's been so special and I you know love them all and I'm so grateful for them I'm sure this is only going to get bigger definitely definitely like I know that you've been around for quite a while but this is you know this is such a that pivotal moment where it just kind of just takes off you know um I do have a Christmas question as my final question because I know that you've been doing interviews all day so my final Christmas question is, do you have any Christmas traditions that you do with your family that you'd like to share? Me and my family watch Carols by Candlelight every <laughs> Christmas Eve. The ones in Melbourne? Yeah. With, with, we watch it on TV. We don't, we, <laughs> we may go, but usually we're too lazy. So we just watch it at home with a glass of champagne and we all sing the songs and we get up and dance and it's really fun and silly and we do that every year. I just imagine Max and your family just standing around singing Christmas carols with a candle in your hand and a glass of champagne in the other. Oh, it's stunning. <laughs> it's stunning. I love it. It's Christmas. Christmas is the yeah. best time of year oh, in my goodness. humble opinion. Have you ever had a white Christmas actually? I have. I was touring the states a couple of years ago um and i was in san francisco and it like snowed a little bit not a lot but i was like this is kind of a white christmas <laughs> <laughs> to me i mean like it doesn't i know because all the movies they're all like white christmas but for us you know this is this is literal weather we're in right now no. is like the weather we get at christmas and a bit of rain usually yeah. in sydney yeah. anyway i know <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this has been so lovely. Thank you so much for chatting to me. And and this, oh. I honestly, I've absolutely loved this film and I know all of Australia will love it as well. And you do such a beautiful job. So oh, you should be very proud. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. So, it's so lovely to chat. Thanks for calling the Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle. You can find us on Instagram at the entertainment underscore hotline pod or visit us at chatter.com.au. The Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle is a proud Chatter podcast.
Thanks for calling the Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle. You can find us on Instagram at the Entertainment underscore Hotline Pod or visit us at chatter.com.au. The Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle is a proud Chatter podcast. Thank you.